0: morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Good. For those that are listening online, welcome. Glad you can join us as well. Uh, Today we're on week two, our series called Social Faith, where we are navigating faith and friendship, talking about both online and offline communication. Uh, We kind of are in a new world, It's like I was actually watching this uh, podcast interview with uh, Lars Ulrich, uh, lead singer from Metallica, and he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, Yes, that's right. I'm a Metallica fan. Um, I just like their music, so that's just the way it is. Live with it. Um, But I was listening to this podcast, and they go back to the days when MP3s were really starting to become popular. And they were trying to prevent the theft of their music, and they were hated and despised by it, and they took a lot of punishment for it. And I'm thinking about this, and that's like 20 years ago when Napster really started to thrive. I know this because, well, I was in college, and I was using Napster too much, um, and so I'm thinking about that, and just in the last 20 years, we went from feeling like we've got to download our music onto our computer, just so we can listen to it on our computer. I mean, the thought even hadn't even occurred at this point of being able to take those songs with us, and now I can pull out a phone and I don't need to download anything. I, I don't even have to pull out my phone. I can just speak, and my phone hears me, and I tell it what to play and it will say, okay, now playing Enter Sandman by Metallica on YouTube Music. And it just starts to play. <laughs> so, this is where technology goes. But then we can go back 20 years prior to that. And there were these things that were called eight tracks. That's <laughs> 50 years ago, the kids are not going to get this. I mean, cassette tapes and eight tracks. And I mean, when CDs first started coming out and there was a time when you would actually play or pay this company to send you CDs in the mail. And some of you may still have outstanding bills from that company and and cassettes. they They had these round vinyl things and you like set a needle on it and somehow this little needle that is touching this round disk that is moving in a circle will play music through speakers technology has come a long way communication has come a long way because now to communicate you guys are here physically present you're within a shoe's throw of me don't worry i will not be throwing shoes this morning but you're that close and yet there are people that are going to be listening to this online over the next few days that are actually all the way on the other side of the world. That's right. And so our communication goes out. Now, unfortunately, as even if I were to put the video of this on, they're only going to get so much because I don't have a camera operator moving about. And then even that, there's something about being physically present that the communication, it conveys differently. And when we think about our communication, there are all of these nonverbal cues that we have. I mean, it's, it's so much more than just the words that are coming out of my mouth. I mean, you're getting my facial expression, you're sensing my gestures, you can hear the inflection in my voice. Even online, they're not going to hear the inflection of my voice because there's audio processing that happens to try to bring the quiet up a little higher and the loud down a little bit lower, and so they miss out on some of that. And when we think about the words that we're even posting online, Like last night, even last night in a church communications group, somebody shared this. I don't have the exact um, article with me. I can't link it. I can't pull it up, but it's probably going to be here for, for next week. And the millennial generation, they get irritated at hard stops in communication. So in other words, if you're texting them and you put a period or an exclamation point, it automatically triggers them and they become irritated. Because they start to think into the punctuation and what does that mean? Uh, like if you ask a question, hey, did you have a good day yesterday? And you replied back, yes, period. <laughs> what does that period mean? <laughs> are they saying yes or are they saying yes? And now all of a sudden we, they don't know. And it starts to bother them. This is real. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking because this is in a church communications group. And the person that runs it asked, hey, all of my millennial friends in here, is this true? And shares the article. And an overwhelming majority of them has said, yes, please don't do that. Just leave it open-ended. I don't get this. I'm, I'm not technically millennial. I'm like, I think they call it zenial. I'm in between like gen X and millennial. There's like this three year window between like 1980, 81 and 82, where those that were born in those three years, they still understand what it's like to record music off of the radio onto a cassette. And that's how we made mix tracks. And at the same time, they fully understand how to now speak to their phone and have it play them music in a mix track. And it's this micro generation, so I can kind of understand what they're saying because there's the the nonverbal communication cues that are missed in that. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you're just making a mountain out of a molehill. It was a period. There wasn't anything behind it. But then, I thought about one of the new features on Facebook. It's, it's the care emoji. I don't know if you've seen this. It's, it's this smiley face with like little heart. And they're kind of like, oh, I care. But there is a huge group of Christians that they see that as the bless your heart emoji. And if you don't know, in the South, bless your heart is a polite way of saying you're stupid. And so, oh, bless their heart. And so there's a, a huge group of Christians on Facebook that they paste, they post that, you know, bless your heart emoji. It's not, oh, I'm caring for you. It's like, oh, bless your heart. And so then I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe a period and a hard stop like that does have a lot more into it. And it's so hard because if we're face-to-face, we can talk about these things and you can ask, and, and if you ask me, hey, how was your day yesterday? It was good, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. The only words I said was, oh, and yeah. But there's a difference between, like, oh, yeah, and oh, yeah. And so you're able to pick up on these things. See, unfortunately, when we're doing communication online, we miss a lot of this. And and that's where the the Bible tells us so much. It tells us so much that we need to be examining and we need to be thinking about when it comes to communication. Not just online, but then even offline, because, I mean, think about this. You may sit there and say, well, you know what? I don't, I don't have social media. I don't use social media. I'm not on it. Okay, have you ever communicated with somebody where you weren't face-to-face? Like, I don't know, over a telephone or at a drive-through on the speaker? And if they can't see your facial expressions and they can't hear some of that inflection because, unfortunately, that little PA system is so staticy, they just can't get it, How are they actually interpreting what it was you said? And how are you interpreting what they said? And sometimes we hear something or we read something and we respond quickly. We respond with our initial reaction without thinking about what was it that they were actually trying to say? What were they trying to convey to me? The book of Proverbs has this amazing one that uh, you may be familiar with. People have paraphrased it all over the place. Uh, It's Proverbs 17.28 that says, Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. The message says, Even dunces who keep quiet are thought to be wise. And as long as they keep their mouths shut, they're smart. I actually like the Passion Translation, which we don't have for you on the screen, and it says, when a fool bites his tongue, he's considered wise. So shut your mouth when you're provoked. It'll make you look smart. <laughs> and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, these, these millennials, the, the young people, the Gen Zers that are sitting there and seeing a period, and then what do, you, what do you mean by that? I said yes and I put a period what do you mean by that what do you mean by that period you know they would seem a lot wiser if they would just keep their mouth shut and then the older non-millennial that responds you know I think you're making way too much out of this and you're blowing things out of proportion you just need to chill if they would have just kept their mouth shut they too would seem wise Unfortunately, it's like the, the quote that nobody seems to know who says it. If you keep your mouth, or what is it? It's um, even, pers- even a person who keeps their mouth shut can seem wise. Or no, hold on, let me get this. I'm going to get this. Wait. It's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove any doubt. Yeah, yeah. There it was. <laughs> Quoted by Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain or... I have no idea. Nobody knows where that came from. And even I'm not quoting it the way that most people quote it because it took me three times. Third strike and I'm out. But at least you guys here know what I was trying to say. Online, they may not get it. You see, these type of words that we say, it it makes us think about what it is that we're saying. How are we responding to anything that's out there and what are we putting out there? I am naturally more extroverted than introverted, which basically means I have a thought and I have to speak it out. That's, that's the extroverts. We think, therefore we speak. And Proverbs says, you're a fool. <laughs> but then you've got the introverts that they're like, I had a thought. I need to think about this a little bit more. And then, do I even need to say this thought? I don't know. If I wait long enough, maybe somebody else will have the same thought, and then maybe they'll say it. And so introverts think and ponder, and then only if it's important will they then speak it out. But it's based on their perception of it being important, and sometimes it needed to be said. I kind of thought about this, and when it comes to the words and what we're speaking and how we're speaking, that when I look at Proverbs and I say, you know, it's better to just be quiet and thought-wise than open our mouths and remove the doubt, when I think about that, I'm thinking it's probably better for us to refrain from engaging so that we can maintain our witness. Because what often happens is we start to open our mouths about things that we don't know about, that we're not fully aware about, that we don't have all the facts about, that we're not intelligent enough to speak on. And all of a sudden, the people that are looking at us are thinking, well, you know, Josh, all he does is spout off at the mouth all the time. And it's like every other day, he's having to apologize for what he said because he got it wrong. And now he's telling me about this Jesus guy why would I even believe him in a couple days? He's going to say, Oh, sorry, I got it all wrong anyways. And I actually kind of went through that process when I first got saved, the friends that I was trying to share Jesus with. They're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. This is another one of those things that you're all excited about. And you think it's all this and yeah, come talk to me in a few years and let's see if you're still excited about it. How many missed opportunities did I have because I spent most of my youth opening my mouth and inserting the foot. I just wasn't being really wise. You guys ever heard the term uh, snowbirds? Snowbirds, people often retirees that they migrate from the northern cold climates in North America to the more southern warm climates. They, they want to get away from the cold. And some of these they do. They're just getting away from the cold. They're getting away from the snow, but they want to maintain residence in the Northern part because they've got family and friends and, and that's what they're doing. And some of them are doing this because of work related things. You know, they may have a job that is based on tourists and thing like that. These are, these are snowbirds. I'm trying to find a term that would describe what I want to do because I want to migrate as well. But I want to migrate out of this state one year out of every four. It's during the political season where everybody wants to open their mouth and show their ignorance. And I'm just not quite sure what that term's going to be when I migrate away from the political activity. And it's not that I want to migrate because politics is unimportant, it's not. This has nothing to do with politics and its importance. It has everything to do with people and their ignorance. It's just every four years, I'm tired of dealing with stupid people. And I'm tired of reading their stupid posts. And it's it's crazy to me because then occasionally I just get so fed up with it that I try to engage them. And I engage them in a way that they don't like because I go back four years ago and I take one of their posts and now what they're saying right now is exactly contradicting what they said four years ago. This person is unqualified and should never be a leader because of this, this, and this. Well, you're supporting a candidate now that is actually described by everything you said four years ago. And it's the same candidate you voted for four years ago. So where's the problem? And then people that want to take their Bible and twist and manipulate it to fit their own needs every four years because they're following politics. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) if you'd just keep your mouth shut, you'd appear smart. And of those of you that know me well enough and have known me for a while, you know that when it comes to politics, it's not like I'm not engaged. I'm kind of involved and engaged in the political system. I know most of them by name. Unfortunately, most of them know me by name, and that can tend to be a problem. I understand it because I believe that politics and government is an institution created by God, and it is necessary and it is important. But unfortunately, we live in this information age where so much information is coming at us so fast and so quickly that we're not actually taking the time to verify. Is it true? Is it false? We don't have all of the facts. We don't know all of the facts. And I know this because I'm seeing on my Facebook page and on Twitter and on Instagram ministers of the gospel that are flat out saying, I haven't verified this, but if it's true, watch out. And here I am, and I'm saying, you've admitted that you haven't verified this. Apparently, you haven't read Proverbs either. Because Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. And Deuteronomy actually gives us this practice when it comes to corporal punishment. When it comes to the death sentence, when it comes to actually finding something of fault or innocence, there's a process. Deuteronomy 17.6 says, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Verify what it is that you're actually going to say. And then there are people that are like, well... I mean, it's going to take me some time to verify this. And so I'm not saying that it's necessarily true. I'm just saying, you know, so-and-so told me that. Well, that doesn't excuse you. That's gossip. That's rumors until it's been verified. We need to think about what it is that we're actually saying. Because all of a sudden, if we want to pass this post that talks about, you know, this One world government that's going to come in and it's going to implant chips in us and steal all of our cookies and give us spankings if we don't fall in line and whatever else they decide to make up. If we haven't verified that stuff and we're passing this off as truth, what happens when we have verification here about Jesus and we try to pass this off as truth? They won't listen. It's better to refrain from engaging in order to maintain our witness. And and yes, I see other ministers, and now there are ministers I know, that they're highly engaged, and they're sharing tons of information, and I have yet to try to fact check them and see where it's false. You see, they've also got this calling to be able to do that. And that's one of the other things that we have, because we'll sit there and think, well, if Pastor such and such did it, He's a mighty man of God. I should do it. You ain't pastor such and such. How about you do what you're supposed to do? Not trying to do what somebody else tries to do. I mean, have, have we ever sat there and thought about this? That we are to imitate God, not one another. That we're to be witnesses of Jesus, not a political movement or party. And that we're to practice self-control, and not superiority. Well, if you don't vote for this person, then you're what's wrong with this nation. Who made you all high and mighty? Why would you say something like that? And then you expect people that you are trying to be nice and reach out to them and say, hey, I understand you're going through something and I'm praying for you. You don't care about me because you just told that other person that they're the problem with America. And what you didn't know is I voted for the same person they did. You see, we get into this. It's just, it's ridiculous. I I was reading this children's story about this. And it's talking about this, this old man that he starts spreading rumors about his neighbor because something got stolen from him. The old man had seen theft happening and he knew, he just knew it has to be that little neighbor kid. He's the one doing it all the time. He's always been a little hoodlum. And so he starts going around and telling everybody about this. Weeks have gone by, and all of a sudden, the kid gets arrested. So many people had said they had seen him doing this. And he gets arrested, gets thrown in jail. A few days later, he's released because they had no evidence. Not only did they have no evidence, the kid didn't even do it. And he leaves, and he's so frustrated, and he's so upset because now nobody will hire him. Nobody wants anything to do with him because everybody thinks that he's a thief. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sue the old man for slander. That's what I'm going to do. So they go to court. Old man's sitting in front of the judge, and, and he's like, well, it's, it's just words. It was just a few you know, conversations that I had. It, it was harmless. I mean, no harm, no foul. The judge kind of chuckles, and he said, all right. I hear your defense of it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down all of the things that you said, all of those harmless words. Write it on a piece of paper, and I want you to cut them up into little pieces. I want you to go home, and on your way home, just sprinkle them out. Just toss them, leave them here and there. Tomorrow, come back, and then I will issue my verdict. So the old man does that. He walks, and he comes back standing before the judge next day, and the judge says, okay, now before I give you the verdict, what I need you to do is I need you to go collect all of those things that you said. He's like, judge, that's impossible. It's impossible. I scattered them all over the place, and the wind took them here and there. I'll never be able to find all of that. And he's like, exactly. And that's what those things that you said did. They spread. They went out. You have no idea where. You have no idea who's repeating it. You have no idea how far it traveled, and you can never get it back. This is the same way that our words will be. We post something on social media, and we haven't checked whether it's accurate or not. And what happens? It spreads. It's like a weekly occurrence that I'm on Facebook, and I see an article, and it's some crazy outlandish thing that Christians are posting. I'm saying Christians because 95% of my Facebook friends are Christians and they're posting these things. And I click on it and the article is from 10 years ago and has already been disproven 10 years ago. Some of these they're sharing are from a news site called the Babylon Bee, which is satire, and it's just making a joke of things. And yet people believe it, and then they share it. Can you believe what's going on out there? And they pass it off as real, and it's meant to be a joke. It's meant to be satire. Even the site itself, if you actually clicked on it and you went to Babylon Bee, at the top it says, satire news but people won't check that and they won't verify it because I have to be heard and I have to be heard now. And yet it would be so much better if we waited. And people try to justify this by saying, well, I'm just speaking the truth. Let's say, let's imagine that you didn't verify, but it was truth. Okay. I'll I'll even concede to that, that this is truth that you're now peddling but how are you peddling it? Oh, but Josh, don't you know that Ephesians tells us that we're to speak the truth to our neighbor? Yes. That's what Ephesians 4.25. It says, speak the truth to your neighbor. But apparently you need to do some more reading of Ephesians chapter four, because Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 says that we're to speak the truth in love. And then right after verse 25, in verse 29, it actually says how that love communication is supposed to come out. Because it says the words that we're speaking should not be corrupt, but they should be edifying and imparting grace to those who hear them. Edifying, to build up. Are your words, is the truth that you're peddling actually building people up? Or is it tearing them down? I mean... Every four years, I want to migrate out of this state and away from my Facebook feed. Why? Because there ain't a whole lot of grace. And there's not much on there that's edifying. (laughs) One of my friends has not been on Facebook up until about two weeks ago. And he created a Facebook account because wife daughters. They convinced him that's what you need to do. Everybody's on Facebook. And the first thing he does, he hops on Facebook. He starts scrolling through all these people feeds that they know him. And they're like, oh, hey, friend request, friend requests. These are people that he knows in real life. And then he's looking at what they're posting on Facebook. And he's like, if this is what's on Facebook, I don't want to be on Facebook. I want nothing to do with this content. It took two days. Two days later, and then all of a sudden, my post happened to be one of the most encouraging posts that he saw because his wife shares it. And you know what I posted? Hey, you. God loves you. That's all. For now. <laughs> Just like, that, that's it. That is edifying. That imparts grace. You see, we need to have this this ability to speak the truth, but speak it in love. And if we don't know what love is, there's a passage in the Bible that is the best definition of love you're ever going to see. And I've been preaching for 27 minutes and I haven't even made you open your Bible yet. So open your Bible as we wrap up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That is a first for me. Throwing out so much scripture, I didn't even have you open that thing up. I mean, fortunately, Nancy's on the ball, and she's keeping these scriptures up behind me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to look at verse 4 through 7. Uh, Nancy, if you can pull up the NKJV as well, we're going to do that first. If I were to give the, a a definition of what love is, based on everything that the Bible says about love, and I'm talking about love as a verb, not love as a noun, because we know God is love. So we're talking about love as like the thing that we do. Love is the culmination of our attitude and our behavior. It's about our heart and how we convey that heart. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, shows us step by step here's how you love. It starts off and it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. You see, in there, what you see is a list of nine do's, seven don'ts, and zero emotion. We think love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Lust is a feeling. Hate is a feeling. Love is a is a behavior, it is an attitude, it is our actions. Love is about doing and not doing. Not about emotions, not about feeling. And when I sit there and I read this, and I'm thinking, okay, patient and kind? Man, if people would just start speaking the truth with patience and kindness. I mean, I look at this, 1 Corinthians 13, you want to know how I apply it to my life? I start with patience. I realized that's the first thing in here. Love is patient. Okay, so before I move on to kindness, I should probably get a hold on patience. Love is patient. God, help me have more patience. And he made me a school bus driver. (laughs) I figured that would be more appropriate than saying he made me a pastor. But seriously, it was like, God, I need more patience. Help me. He put me in situations that tested my patience. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, so apparently, God, when I ask you for something, you throw me in the deep end. And you're like, sink or swim, Josh. (laughs) Love is patient. Then I move on to kindness. Then I move on to jealousy, boastfulness, proud, rude, demanding its own way, irritable, Not keeping a record of wrong, not rejoicing about injustice, but rejoicing when righteousness and truth prevails, never giving up, never losing faith, always hopeful, always enduring in every circumstance. See, I like taking these in order, but after I did the first three or four of them, I realized, wait, God's really working on me with this not keeping a record of wrongs because I had somebody that posted about politics on Facebook and I immediately went to what they did four years ago and what they said that was wrong and I tried to bring it back and use it against them because I was rejoicing at the injustice that they had put out there and God's like hey Josh how's your restraint going how's your witness going did you really need to engage in that conversation or would it have been wiser if you just kept your big mouth shut like, oops, my bad. Forgive me. And then I asked that person to forgive me too. And I deleted my post. because I just told him, I was like, I, I shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this, but I especially should not be doing this. I shouldn't be holding you to what you said years ago. Hopefully you've changed. Hopefully you've grown. Hopefully we all do. You see, when it comes to what we're saying and how we're interacting, there's so much of the conversation and our communication that can be missed. And so what we need to be able to do is really practice self-control and restraint and think and say, is this actually a conversation that I need to engage in? Or is it better suited if I just stay out of it? I think if I migrated away, it would be a whole lot easier, but here I am. And so what do I do? I just practice, and I keep practicing, and I try to get better, because what I know is what Proverbs 1728 says: "Even a fool, which I am, is counted wise if I'll hold my peace, if I shut my lips." I'm considered perceptive. You would not believe the amount of times that people think I am so discerning and understanding and perceptive and inside I'm just chuckling because they have no clue. But the only reason they got it was because I was sitting in there, listening, covering my mouth, trying to hold my tongue. And then what do you think about that? You know, I'm not sure yet. I think I need to give it some more thought. Oh, that's a really wise answer. (laughs) Thinking, you don't know me well enough because I ain't that wise. All I'm doing is just what God said to do. That's what we all should be doing. What God says to do. So let's practice some more self-control and let's practice a little restraint. Think about what it is that you're trying to engage in and whether or not you should engage in it. There are times for it that it is necessary. We do need to speak the truth with our neighbor, but we need to speak it in love. And we need to speak it in a way that is building them up, not tearing them down. And that's giving them grace and not judgment. Let's pray.